Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is going to be July 7th, 2017. Uh, I am here live at the Amway Center on July 6th for the final day of Orlando Pro Summer League, the Orlando Magic Summer League. And I'm joined today by Corey Hudson of Orlando Pinstripe Post to recap all things Summer League. Corey, this was your first Summer League. How'd you like it? Uh, well, Phil, it was a, a thrilling experience. Uh, the... The drama, the ups and downs—it <laughs> uh, was not. I, to be honest, it was fine. It was a good time. Yeah, it, you gotta find time to kill, kill time here and there. But overall, it was a good experience getting to learn more about a whole bunch of these players that I'd never seen play basketball before. Yeah, that's 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 the beauty of summer league. You get to see players that you otherwise wouldn't see. You get to see some old college players that sure. that that you remember. Like I remember him when he played for that school in the NCAA tournament that one time. Whatever happened to him? Well, he's probably playing in the G League somewhere. Right. Um, but that's Summer League. It's it's also the first time we get to see the rookies play. And, 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 you know, last year the Magic didn't have any rookies. So Summer League, we were all just kind of here and not doing very much. This year we actually had a reason to be at Summer League and to watch these games because Orlando had one of the big rookies that was actually at this, at this Summer League in particular, and probably in general, even, you know, for this class, especially how good this class was. Um, one of the big rookies in this draft class in Jonathan Isaac. The sixth overall pick for the Orlando Magic made his Orlando Magic debut uh, at, the, at the Mountain Dew Orlando Pro Summer League. Give, give big ups to Mountain Dew. Now, I don't know what their current slogan is, but it's something extreme, I'm sure. Um, but uh, Isaac made his debut at Summer League, played three games for the Magic. What, what, did you, what were your expectations for Jonathan Isaac, and did he meet them? Well, coming into it, I think it, you're right. He was one of the biggest draft picks. I think he was the highest draft pick who actually played here. I believe so. Um, a few of the other high draft picks uh, showed up but didn't play like Dennis Smith Jr. So I think Isaac was definitely the, the headliner of the event. Uh, coming into it, I expected that he would take advantage of his athleticism in this kind of environment, and he definitely did that. Uh, what really struck me about him was all the physical tools that people have talked about. His his length is crazy. He made everybody else on the court look tiny with his gigantic arms. His ability <laughs> to come out of nowhere and, and make plays, especially on defense. Um, uh, what everybody says about him needing to bulk up is also true. That's something that he's acutely aware of. He mentioned that multiple times when we interviewed him this week about how that's his number one priority is just gaining strength. Because man, that that dude is a uh, he is skinny. He is, yes, he is skinny. He's, he's lanky, but uh, no, the dude's a beast. He he does a lot of really great stuff on the court. He flashed a, a solid mid-range shot, I thought. I think the long-range uh, shot is looking a little sketchier right now. It's got a, a bit of a wind-up to it. He really needs mm-hmm. a lot of space to get it off. But um, overall, I think he, he met 
all of my expectations. I was happy with how he played this week. The final, the final line for Jonathan Isaac in three games, 10.3 points per game, 8.0 rebounds per game, included 11 offensive rebounds, shot 44.4% from the floor. Um, I, I agree with a lot of what you said. Um, it, it, he showed a lot of the physical tools that, that made everyone believe he was going to be so special. Um, you know, the, the buzzword around, around here now is about length. Isaac has length for days. Um, he is some. He is someone that that fits that bill. And, and if the Magic really do believe that you're kind of going toward this positionless basketball, uh, he he is a perfect fit for that because you, we saw him play a little bit in the post. They tried posting him up a little bit. He's probably not there physically to do that yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but he felt very comfortable off the dribble. Each what, what really impressed me about Isaac is each game he got better. That's by, right. by the time by the time he got to that third game, he was playing at such an incredible, incredible level. Uh, and it really is unfortunate that, that he got the hip injury. I mean, I don't anticipate that he was going to play very much in the final two games anyway. Yeah, probably not. But that third game, I would have really liked to have seen what he could have done in the second half to, to close that game out. Um, first game, he had a lot of jitters. It was very clear that he was nervous um, and, and just kind of needed to get everything out. He even said, you know, after he made his first shot, he was just out of breath. And he signed his contract, what was it, 20 minutes before tip-off of that first game. Um, and, and I don't care who you are, that, that is an emotional time. I mean, you're, you know, if you spend dude, your money... Dude, if you, dude just made a lot of money. <laughs> just made a lot of money. I mean, I, I'll, I, I'd love to get paid $6 million a year and have that be my lowest salary that I'm probably going to get paid as a pro. Um, but he he got better the second game. Um, you know, his defense was on point. Uh, he was just in passing lanes. He was crashing down to block shots. He was rebounding well, particularly on the offensive end. And then the third game, we really began to see his offense take hold. Um, he, he, when he gets into a rhythm, he's got that nice little kind of crossover step back that, that he likes to fall into. When he gets that in rhythm, he's really tough to, tough to stop because he can get that shot over his head and no one is going to be able to block it. And so Isaac, um, I thought, showed exactly what he needed to show in summer league. He showed that he can, he can defend at a high level, um, that he can be disruptive on that end, and that he has clues that his offensive game is going to develop. It's just going to take some time to get there um, as, as it would for any 19-year-old rookie. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, Chad Forcier, the Magic Summer League coach, he pointed out as much that uh, in the third game, that was definitely looking like Isaac's best game of the whole week before he came out with that uh, hip injury. Um, he... Uh, Definitely had those jitters like you talked about. The first two games he had to ask out. He was very upfront about that. I, I actually really appreciated that. I could have seen the team trying to play that off as like, oh, this is no, we're trying to limit, we're trying to limit his minutes. Yeah, they, yeah. No, they, they were honest about it. They were saying like, yeah, he, he was he was just out of breath. He needed to catch a second win. But I'm not really too concerned about like stamina or anything like that. He he played long stretches in both of those games after those first quarter jitters or whatever and you he played like he played like seven minutes to start the third game too where he right, i mean yeah. he scored nine points that game i think he was three for four three for five three for five um you know he, and he had three rebounds if he had played the second half you know you're probably looking at a you know if, if he if he kept playing the way that that i think we all saw him playing probably looking at like a 20 and eight type game from him which is you know more than more than what you would want to see you know it's more than plenty for what you want to see from him yeah um you know i like with everything, how you view a player is based on your expectations of him. I mean, if, if you're expecting Isaac to come in and dominate early, A, I don't think he watched Jonathan Isaac very much in, in college, and B, I, I don't think that's what the Magic were looking for him to do anyway. Uh, so 
you know, a, a very good showing from the rookie. Of course, Summer League is not the NBA regular season. I, I tell people this when it comes to Summer League a lot. It's more about showing that you that you, you learn more whether players can't play more than whether they can play. Uh, and certainly Isaac showed plenty of signs that he can play. So to me, very successful Summer League for him. Um, exceeded my expectations. I don't know if he exceeded yours as far as what he can do defensively. Uh, he is much further along than I thought he's going to make. I, I think he will find minutes on this team playing a role because of what he can do on the defensive end. Absolutely. His uh, ability to switch is going to be really important. I think Frank Vogel kind of foreshadowed that at the end of the season that he was going to have to really rework how he runs NBA defenses. He's going to have to really do something different than he did back in Indiana, and switching is going to be a big part of that. Isaac should be really, really good at that. There was a, a highlight moment, I think it was in the second game. Where I think he it was against got, the Heat. Yeah, he got switched on one. to London. London Prentice yeah, of the London Miami Prentice. Heat. And he, uh, he got switched on to a, a point guard and stuck with him really nicely and then just stuffed his jump shot. It wasn't even It was close. a fadeaway jumper, too. Yeah. Like, it was like, that is, it's not an easy shot to block. And, of course, in that Miami game, too, he had the quarter-winning basket that yep. pretty much ensured that the Magic would play in the 10 a.m. game instead of the 8 a.m. game, which we're very thankful for. Yep. Uh, and uh, that and that play was kind of Isaac's peak off. I mean, not his. It wasn't his peak offensive game play because he had some good, good plays against the Mavericks in the in the next game. But that was a, a huge play, confidence-wise. You could, you know, the ball ended up in his hands. It didn't. It wasn't designed to be in his hands, but it ended up in his hands, and he hit a tough jumper to win the quarter, win a point. Uh, you know. The point system in the in, in, in summer league is kind of inane and silly, but it, the, the teams do take it seriously because it creates opportunities for them to practice these late game situations. Yeah, that's exactly and, what it's for. And Isaac Isaac showed up when when the team needed him to score that point. So um, a lot of encouraging signs from Jonathan Isaac. Uh, of course, it is just summer league, so take everything with a grain of salt. I saw that poll that I put up. You know, most people either said he exceeded expectations or bro at summer league. Um, I think that is the, that is the appropriate response, um, indeed. Um, go moving on to the Magic's other draft pick, Wesley Awundu. What did you notice about Awundu and what he gave the Magic? He played all five games for the team. A little bit of a different guy. Uh, what, what did you What did you see from him? Uh, I'll start with the positives. Uh, Awundu definitely has uh, athleticism. Uh, there was a, a great moment, I think, in the first game where he pinned somebody's shot to the mm-hmm. backboard out of nowhere. Um, he also had a, another moment where he uh, poked the ball away on. No, no, that, it was the same play. It, he, was say, he blocked the, the he shot on one end and ran back and, and got the dunk. Yeah. yeah. So uh, he he can definitely run up and down the court. He, uh, I think, showed that he can possibly defend the one or the two. I see him as kind of a, a combo guard in that way. And he's got experience. He's a senior coming out of college. Uh, overall, though. I think he, he had an okay week. It, it wasn't amazing. His efficiency was uh, fairly poor. He only shot 30% on the week. 10, 10 for 33 from the floor for the week. Uh, two for eight from three. Yeah. Uh, but it, I think Chad Forcia put it best when he said that it was a, a learning experience for him. He, he The most important thing for Wendo is that he got to dip his feet in the waters and learn the NBA game. Is like this week. I think he'll make an adjustment. I think he's, he's got potential for sure, but... Uh, this week was definitely um, a learning experience for him. Yeah, and when it comes to Wondu, I think I think the point that that Forcier made that they probably asked him to do more than, than maybe he's a little bit capable of. I think the Magic wanted to see whether he could handle the ball a little bit, and if you look at his stats, 
led the team with 10 turnovers. And in summer league, you know, you see a lot of turnovers. Magic actually did a decent job with their turnovers this week with only 73 total turnovers. But a one do had 10 turnovers against two against two assists. You know, they didn't really ask him to do a lot of playmaking. He can kind of get into the lane a little bit, but he's just he's just not a real big scoring threat. Where where he is at his best right now is playing defense. You know, using buzzword again, length, his length to, to defend opponents, get out in transition and score that way. Yep. Um, that's that's kind of who he is. That's kind of what the Magic drafted him to be with hopes that he could continue to develop more. Obviously, he's a senior. He's a little bit older, so maybe that the ceiling is a little bit lower, that growth potential is a little bit lower. But certainly he still has that room to grow and continue to expand his game a little bit. Uh, when he gets to the main roster, he's not going to be on the ball as much as he was this week. So, you know, I, I don't look at the turnovers as a concern. I look at the three-point shooting as a, as a little bit of a concern. Yeah, that's um, that's the big deal for me is that I think for him to have an NBA career, he has to. He has to make threes. Yep. He has yeah. to be able to make threes. And he made a big leap from his junior to his senior year uh, kind of out of nowhere. He was actually yeah. a really bad three-point shooter before his senior year. So if he can keep that up and keep progressing then then he might be able to do some stuff but that's i think that's uh, almost mandatory for him to find a place in the league and and with this and with the way the magic are currently constructed uh, there is certainly a place for him i mean i think orlando is they they're they're very much in a holding pattern um it seems like they're not we'll, we'll talk a little bit about free agency at the end of the at the end of the show but the magic don't seem to be doing a lot in free agency so there's there's going to be an opportunity for him to 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 try things out, and, and the Magic will throw him out. I'm sure the Magic will throw him out there at points during the season. Um, you know, he hasn't signed a contract yet, so maybe he's. I mean, I don't know if he spend a two way contract on a guy that is um, a senior. You know, maybe maybe doesn't need the time to develop, but maybe he maybe he ends up being a two way guy. You know, spends a lot of the year in Lakeland to continue kind of growing the, the skills that the Magic need from him. Um, you know, this wasn't the setting for him. I think to to really showcase that. Um, but, you know, we saw what he can do defensively. We saw what he can do in transition, and I think that is a positive for him uh, moving forward and a positive for him that the Magic made it made it a pick worth investing a little bit in. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, he's He's got potential. You know, he, he's a early second-round pick, so yeah, that that's, tends to be pretty hit or miss. Who knows what's going to happen in his career, but it's worth giving him a shot. Yeah, um, and, you know, like you said, the, the summer league's all about proving if you can't play more than if you can play, and I don't think we saw enough to suggest that a one who can't play yeah. NBA basketball. Yeah. Yes, I, I I would agree with that completely. He he showed he, I mean he showed at least one thing that he can probably do on an NBA basketball court, or at least is worth continuing to explore on an NBA basketball court. I'm I, I'm not ready to to give up on him. I mean, there there's certainly players that that we saw throughout summer league. I mean, we heard. <laughs> we, I heard a, I heard a rumor of one of the, one of the Magic players not so thrilled about his lack of playing time. But when he was out there, it's like, well, yeah, yeah, it's, it's obvious why you're you're not you're not gonna make it on an NBA team. Hey everyone, this is Philip Rossman Reich of Locked On Magic. Let's take a quick break from our conversation with Corey Hudson, recapping Summer League, to say a quick word from our pals over at you guessed it, SeatGeek. Buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated, but there is a better, simpler way to buy. With SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to live events. With SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like seeing your favorite team or musician in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. 
I have a SeatGeek app on my phone. And it's by far the easiest way I found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere. And with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats. I can actually just I actually just use the SeatGeek app to buy tickets to Summer League. I'm 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 taking a little bit of a break. I'm gonna head out head out to Las Vegas and I'm gonna use SeatGeek to buy my tickets to the NBA Summer League in Las Vegas. And I can use it for any number of events that are happening within the Central Florida area. You know, I'm probably going I missed Saturday I missed Wednesday's Orlando City game because I was at Orlando Summer League. What did I do? I sold my tickets on SeatGeek and I'm sure someone had a great time at the event. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And to get the most bang for your buck, SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. Anything you could want, you can find on SeatGeek. Best of all, my listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code L-O-N-B-A, that's L-O-N-B-A, today. That's promo code L-O-N-B-A for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Um, but let's 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 talk about the guys that we do think can make the Magic's main roster and can make their presence felt on this team. Uh, and, and I think the first place to start with is um, you know except for uh, the late the late edition of Shema Karnowski, uh, Marcus George's Hunt. By far, to me, the most impressive player, um, you know, or unexpectedly most impressive player on the Magic's roster. I mean, we got a little taste of him at the end of the season, but he really didn't get any playing time. I mean, even think Chad Forcier said when, when, when we asked him about it, um, you know, what his impressions were of, of George's hunt and, and what he expected from him. He's like, you know, I uh, Forcier, the, the magic assistant coach and head coach of the summer league team said, I didn't really get to spend a lot of time with him during the regular season. I had no, you know, really idea of what his game would be. And he came out and really just killed it for the magic all week. Absolutely, he was he was great. He took on the role of lead scorer for this team, and he really excelled in that. He was extremely efficient. Uh, put up a, a 50, 43, 83 shooting yeah. splits, which is uh, just awesome. Uh, pretty high volume. 29, 29 free throw attempts in five games. That's too. my favorite part. I think is that he drew <laughs> a, a pretty good number of fouls. Um, played about uh, twenty seven minutes a game thereabouts. Uh, yeah, just overall really good. He he definitely applied a lot of pressure. To opposing defenses, really aggressive, getting into the lane and making things happen. But he was also pretty good on defense too. He was really priding himself after one of the games, talking about how he could defend one through four if he really had to. I don't know if that actually holds up in an actual. He, he played. NBA he played. Game. He played. He played some four in in the game against the Charlotte Hornets, and uh, him guarding Johnny O'Brien was uh, not the most ideal situation. But yeah. considering considering George's Hunt's physical profile, I think that I think the knock on him when he came into the NBA and why he ended up in the, in the D league for most of last season was he, he doesn't, he's not, I mean, buzzword again, he's not particularly long. Mm -hmm. He's not, he doesn't, he doesn't look like a a super athletic guy, right? but he, he's, he's well built and and he does have just good defensive instincts. And, you know, he averaged, he got, he scored a triple, he recorded a triple double in the D league last year for the main red claws. He did a good job. Um, kind of being a really balanced player, that the piece that was missing from him was his three-point shooting, and to come out this week 
and hit six of 14 three-pointers, get to the get to the line 29 times in five games, so you know about six times per game, six times per game. That's you know three free throw trips, you know half 4.8 rebounds per game, half 14 assists in five games, so nearly three assists per game, and score yeah, and be pretty much the team's leading scorer. He really proved that he can do it all. And, and like I said, with a lot of these guys, it's they're not going to be playing these central roles. Marcus George's Hunt is not going to be your main scorer on the NBA team. But he showed that he can do a lot of different things, especially holding his own defensively, that I think, you know, I think cinches a roster spot for him, which is, which is you know, unguaranteed deal. He's got, another, you know, Magic wrapped him up for a, a three-year deal with a lot of non-guarantees on the second and third year. I think that, that he probably played himself pretty comfortably into a roster spot this season with the way he played this week. Yeah, absolutely. I, I know some people, or at least me personally, I'll speak for myself, uh, kind of lump him and Patricio Garino together because mm-hmm. the Magic brought them in at the same time. They signed really similar contracts, and then they ended up playing a, a similar amount. But uh, I mean, not to, I don't mean to say bad things about Patricio Garino or anything, but uh, this really set Marcus George's hot apart. He, mm-hmm. He really excelled this week. I agree. He's he should be a lock to continue with and the team. Okay. I'd be extremely surprised. And it's didn't. okay. And it's okay to say that these guys are competing because because they got they they are competing. I mean, Garino and George's Hunt are both here on unguaranteed deals. Uh, you know, Garino didn't have the greatest week offensively. He was fine defensively, which is what you expect from him. But his his shot was was rough for most of the week. Uh, he shot t- uh, three for twelve from beyond the arc. Um, you know, he he definitely had his struggles this week. Uh, and, and yeah, you're going to naturally compare the two because they ca- both came in at the same time. They both have unguaranteed deals that guarantee for for the fall, for this season on opening night. Um, so if they make the make the opening day roster, that you know they'll be guaranteed for the year. Um, Georgia's, you know, George, they both play similar positions. Um, you know, it's definitely definitely easy to make that comparison. And, and you know, I think the next guys we'll probably talk about also very easy to make the comparison. Say these two guys are fighting for the, the same spot. Yep. Um, even if one plays well, if the other guy looks that much better, they're going. They're going to get the spot. There are only 15 spots on the Magic roster plus the two two-way contracts if the Magic choo- choose to use them. Um, it, you know, there there is limited space here, and yeah, the Magic are in. You know, kind of been quiet in free agency. They haven't added anybody, but I would still expect them to add one or two players um, to the roster. And you know, maybe shuffle through some 10-day guys. You maybe even use those two-way slots. Um, and so there is limited space and there's limited time for these players to make their impact. And, and so George's Hunt made an impact, made an impression this week, built, you know, certainly built up a lot, you know, built up a lot of fans and in us. I mean, I was, impre- I was definitely impressed by him. Yep. Did not expect that from him. And, and, you know, you saw hints of it during the, during the regular season, but, you know, they were just hints because he didn't play. He played like what, <laughs> 12 minutes and uh, five games or something n- like that? Nothing, nothing, nothing significant. Yeah. Um, but he looked, he looked very, very good this week. Probably the best. Probably you know Isaac, Isaac was easy to notice and, and easy to watch. But George's son was probably the most reliably consistent player for the team all week. Yes, uh, I'd say on a like on a per minute basis, maybe Isaac was the team's best player. But in terms of overall volume, a, 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 MGH and I, I checked with him. That's <laughs> the the preferred acronym he would go with if we're if we're trying to tweet about him and things like that. So he. He was the only player who played all five games. He started all five games, played more minutes than anybody else, and was consistently good that entire time. Yeah, no, no, no complaints there. Um, the final, I, I think, the final takeaway, the final guys that we want to talk about 
um, specifically here when it comes to Summer League, is that point guard position. I mean, when, when the roster came out, you know, I looked at it, and I, I pointed at Kalen Lucas, and I pointed at Derek Walton and said, would not surprise me if those two guys are fighting for a training camp invite, and whoever plays best could very well get it. They both played really well. Yeah. Um, fans quickly fell in love with Derek Walton, but if you look at Kalen Lucas, he was third on the team in scoring 12.5 points per game, uh, 12 assists on, on the week, shot 42 point, shot ni- shot 19 to 45 for the for the week, four of 16 from beyond the arc. Yeah, uh, he gunned it. He took weight. Yeah, he was not afraid than to, anybody else. Not afraid to shoot. Not afraid to shoot the ball. Um, but a veteran veteran point guard. Um, he played really well, but Derek Walton Jr. was obviously also very, very good. What, what do you make of of this the, the point guard quote unquote battle that we saw here this week at Summer League? Uh, well, the the story writes itself, right? Because it, there's yeah. the the Michigan Michigan State <laughs> rivalry going on. Go green. Uh, so the uh, <laughs> or go blue. Uh, I don't know the difference. I accidentally wrote the wrong school for one of my, <laughs> one of my articles this week. I don't. Know. I don't even know. Uh, the uh, uh, yeah, they were both great. Lucas definitely uh, took charge of the team right from the get-go. Uh, he started most of the week. Uh, there was one game that he just didn't play in at all. I think they were giving uh, Derek Walton a, a longer look that game. Um, uh, yeah, I was really impressed with Lucas's ability to uh, get into the paint to kind of make things happen. Um, fearless shooter. He'll, he'll jack it up from anywhere, long range or mid range. Uh, his efficiency leaves something to be desired. I, I wish he did better from especially, long range. So for, especially for someone who's older. He's, right. I mean, he's yes, been that, he's been he's been a pro for a while. I mean, he was he played with the Erie Bayhawks last year. He's played he played with the Memphis Grizzlies for a game in 2015. He's played for the Iowa Energy. He's been to Turkey. He's been to Greece. He's been he's been around the block a little bit in in, in professional basketball. Yep, and, and we'll we'll probably get to that a little bit later. If we're you know, trying to pick which one of them we like more, that age definitely factors into this. Uh, but uh, for the part of Derek Walton, uh, he was great. I think he was definitely the Magic's best ball handler. Had a, mm-hmm. a really nice command of the pick and roll game. Uh, constantly made just really good decisions on the court. Yes, uh, I, I think agree. Uh, overall, how many turnovers did he have this week? Uh, four turnovers. Four turnovers. Four, for, four turnovers for a point guard in four games against what? Fourteen uh, assists. Yep. Sorry, we have to we have to like do the do the thing where we have the box score, the, the cumulative stats in front of us and do the line and say there it is. Yep. So uh, so excuse us if we're if we're, if we're trying to do math in our heads here. So yeah, uh, just really great ball handler that made good decisions and he shot it well too. He shot uh, six for twelve from beyond the arc, forty six point nine percent from the floor. Yeah, it's that's everything the Magic need in that's, the point guard right that, now. That is that is a. You know, honestly, that is a good summer league performance. I yeah. mean, and and it didn't seem like like he was. I mean, we, we said Kalen Lucas was gunning a little bit, and maybe he was, but Walton didn't look like he was gunning. It looked like he was playing within the offense and making smart decisions, and 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 knowing when it was time for him to take his shot, and and when the defense gave him a shot, and when it was time to to make a make a pass. And he made some really nice passes too. Yeah. Like, his, like immediately, it was it was his pick and roll game was very, very good. And he was running the pick and roll a lot with Jalen Jones and Matt Costello and, and Steven Zimmerman. Uh, he was really on point all week long and created a lot of fans in Magic, in Magic fans. Magic fans were loving how this kid played, created fans in the coaching staff. I think Chad Forsey said, you know, I'm, I'm a fan. Um, you know, and it, it seemed like 
he really integrated himself really, really well into into the Magic. And, and you know, the buzz going around is that they're going to make him a training camp offer that's not official yet. Uh, but it, it certainly seems like he is on the cusp of doing that. Uh, I think if we had to choose between the two of them, and maybe they won't make a choice. Maybe both guys can find a spot on the... And in training camp roster, roster, you get 20 spots. I yeah. mean, it's, it's not crazy to, to uh, give a lot of give a lot to, to bring them both in and say, fight it out for number three. But if, if we had to pick one of them, I think uh, Walton's a pretty clear choice. He's uh, younger by, I guess, yep. four years. He's a, Is he 23 or 24? He's a, he, a, he, was a senior, he was a senior at, at Michigan. So, yeah. I mean, it, it's, he's, the, he's like, like a one-do. He's got experience on it. He's got experience on the side. He, he clearly can step onto a floor and knows who he is and what he can do. He's not trying to experiment very much. Right, yeah. So he's not like some big prospect that the Magic are bringing in that they're going to try to develop into yeah. some star player. He, he probably is who he is, but I think as a, a third uh, backup point guard option, he'd be really solid, at least based on what he showed us here. Uh, like you said before, Summer League is very, <laughs> very different from the actual NBA yes. game. Maybe, maybe dealing with bigger, faster competition, he doesn't find those angles. Especially especially a role. player like Walton, who measures in at you know, 6'1", I think is he, what's, yeah. what's he listed? He's listed at 6'1", or 6'2", yeah, and he's probably not that. Yeah, not not physically intimidating. Doesn't like like he he runs fine on the court, but he doesn't look crazy athletic or yeah. anything like that. He's he. I mean, we're talking. I mean, at the end of the day, we're, when we're talking about Derek Walton, we're talking about a guy who is probably a third point guard. Maybe he competes for he pushes for minutes behind Alfred Payton if he's still on the roster. Um, but he he pushes kind of in that range for backup minutes you know, against DJ Augustin. And, and Augustin isn't the biggest guy in the world either. So you certainly can find success in the league. Um, you know, although we would probably debate Augustin's effectiveness last year. Mm-hmm. But you can find success in the league at his at his size. So it's not impossible for him. Yeah, it's not a, a bad comparison, really, now that I think about it. He, he does a lot of similar things as what Augustin does. Uh, you know, it does some pick and roll here and there, can, can light it up from long range if you give him the opportunity to do so. Uh, yeah, check, checks a lot of the same boxes. Yeah, and then, I mean that's 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 all you're looking for. I mean, if you if you can mine out of your summer league team uh, an NBA an NBA caliber player, even if it's an end of the bench guy, you've probably done a good job. I mean, Forcier really, you know, he really said he liked this team a lot. He liked the team that he was coaching a lot. And 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 what would really impress me about the whole summer league, and so we'll kind of bring the microscope back out. Um, they play defense really really well together for a team that had like. Five practices in three days, and, and then like they that. play, and then they played, you know, games. Their defense was really on point, and then I hope that that's a clue to, to how the Magic want to play defense next year in, in during the season with Frank Vogel there. Um, you know, you can't count on that, of course, because it's summer league compared to the regular season, um, and certainly these guys are really motivated to play at a high level um, because their jobs are on the line. Yep, but. Really impressed with the way the Magic played defense all week long. Um, the stats maybe don't bear that out as clearly as you would like. A uh, team shot 40.4% against them, 31.6% uh, from beyond the arc. Gave up 111 free throws, which, you know, at Summer League, you're going to give up a lot of free throws. Um, it, it was definitely, uh, if, if, this, if Summer League is like the bare bones of what you're trying to run during the regular season, there were definitely some things to like about the Magic on the defensive end. Um, well, are, are there any macro takeaways that you can make about summer league, or that you want to make about summer league that, that maybe we didn't cover? Uh, 
I'm, I'll do one more micro takeaway. Go micro okay. takeaway. Okay. Uh, one more guy that I feel like we should talk about just because I I see a lot of people asking about him. I think you and I feel similarly. Uh, Karnowski. The, 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 <laughs> Shema Karnowski. Uh, added to the, the mountain roster. of a man. Yes, he is He is a giant. That dude is, <laughs> is massive. He can bully people out there. He definitely had a, a couple post moves where he got really easy shots or I think he, he even just like dunked it over somebody after backing them down under the hoop. Uh, he uh, uh, joined the roster when Stephen Zimmerman was waived. Rest in peace, uh, Stephen Zimmerman. But, uh, and he scored a lot of points. I think he ended up with the highest average on the team despite only playing two or three games. Uh, but he... Uh, so a lot of fans, understandably, have been asking, hey, should we bring this guy in? Is he worth trying out a little bit more. He looks really good. He, he does have, a, I think, a solid command of how to run a pick and roll as the big man. He, he has good timing rolling to the basket, finishes well. I just think he's way too slow. I, I don't yeah. think he's going to be able to survive out there on, on an NBA court against actual really fast competition. I think when he's going to play it off. When you're when you're seven foot three hundred pounds, you definitely have a place somewhere in basketball. And and Shemek Karnowski, uh, I was gonna play the Braun Strowman theme because because he's just a huge person. Um, but and and I, I just love the I love Primal Screams. But uh, um, Shemek Karn- Shemek Karnowski, uh, he is is a big dude. Um, he's got really good touch and footwork for a guy his size. It's just about the speed, and, and in the NBA today, centers have to be able to hedge on pick and rolls, and, and he cannot do that. There's one play on on Wednesday against uh, New York, I think, where the, the Knicks were inbounding the ball, and they had uh, Karnowski's man inbound the ball, and they ran Karnowski off a backdoor cut, and he had no chance to catch up to that. He was not catching up to that. It was a brilliant play. By the Knicks, odd, that probably the only time you'll hear me say that statement. Um, but you know that that's that's the advantage you have. That's the advantage an offense can have when Karnowski's in. He's he's big. He's not much of a rim protector. He's just big, and and he'll find a place somewhere playing basketball. Um, I don't know if it'll be in the NBA or in the G League. Um, but but you know he is a really really skilled player, and and, and I was excited to see him on the team because because he didn't get a lot of time with the Charlotte Hornets summer league team before. The Magic picked him up, and, and by all accounts, he caught on to what the Magic were trying to do very well, very quickly, and, and obviously played very well on top of that. Yeah, absolutely. I was glad that we got to see him play. I had no idea who he was or what he did yeah. until that oh, moment. I, I, think he, I think he showed what he was good at. And as a Northwestern Wildcat, I, I still have nightmares of what Shema Karnowski did to Derek Pardon throughout that, mm. throughout that NCAA tournament game in Salt Lake City. So, um, um, you know, and I haven't forgotten about you, Zach Collins. We're coming for you, um, but uh, but um, yeah, yeah, he's he's really really skilled player. I mean, there's there's a reason he was playing in front of a lottery pick all year last year at Gonzaga. But just skill set just doesn't fit what the NBA wants. Um, so that's going to do it for our summer league discussion. Um, you know, I think we we hit everything that that you can hit with summer league. We've recapped summer league really really well. It is of course now July. It's July sixth when we're recording this. Uh, so the moratorium is officially over. You know the players are beginning to sign their contracts, and and the Orlando Magic have been really, 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 really quiet. I think you might be underselling that a little. I might be underselling that. I mean, well, there's the trade, there's the trade Burke rumor, I guess. Who wants, who wants to talk about that? 
Jeff Weltman talked to talk to the media. I'm sure I'll play some of it uh, uh, and talk about talk about that a little bit more uh, later on this show. But while I have you here, Corey, um, Jeff Weltman talked to the media about kind of staying patient, waiting for the right opportunity to enter the market. Um, you know, Magic obviously have limited cap space, limited flexibility to use in the free agent market. What what do you think of the way the Magic have approached free agency so far? Should they be looking to do something more aggressively to improve this roster, or is that aggression going to come later? Uh, I think, well, for starters, I think just generally speaking for any team, unless you're one of the ones really gunning for those big-time free agents, you know, if you're like Boston or Miami trying to sign Gordon Hayward, for example, unless you're one of those guys, I think it's a better strategy to wait this offseason. There's definitely going to be some really good bargains uh, as free agency winds down and, and musical chairs comes to a stop and a few guys find out like, oh, there's actually not as much money here as I thought there was going to be uh, and as they, they scramble to find teams. So I think that's going to be when the magic strike. I, I expect them to be very patient, much as uh, Wellman described. Uh, I think there's a reason they've only come up in two rumors, you know, just Joe Ingles and Trey Burke. And, and to me, that feels more like a agent leverage kind yeah, of it, it situation does. than does. anything else. Even the Darren Collison rumor felt like agent leverage. I mm. mean, like like we said, I mean, they, they, they got DJ Augustin for three more years. It's going to be tough to move him. Uh, and, and, like, we saw these point guards in, in Summer League and really liked them as third point guard options. Obviously, the Magic still have C.J. Watson to deal with uh, by July 10th. They made the move to cut Steven Zimmerman, which opened up another million dollars in cap space. Uh, you know, another opportunity to bring in to bring in more salary on trades. Um, but just generally, you know, I, I think I've said on this show before, I think the Magic are playing the strategy right here. Uh, it, it is frustrating coming off a 29-win season not to see the team make changes. And, and I, I do agree that the Magic probably can't go into the season with the same roster that they had last year and expect significantly different results. Um, it, I think that's it'd be silly. But at the same time, you look at what's available to the Magic. They have now roughly $11 million in cap room. They're going to be capped out again next year because no, very few of their salaries are coming off the books next year. In fact, they'll be adding salary between exactly. Peyton and Gordon. Peyton and at Gordon. least that's what we're assuming. Alfred, they'll have to make a exactly. decision on that. Alfred, Alfred Payton and Aaron Gordon are, are two big salaries that they're going to have to deal with next, next summer. Uh, and so there's just not a lot of wiggle room for the team to make those kind of significant improvements. Even, with, even, if, even if you ignore what's going to happen next summer, with $11 million in cap room available, the Magic... Um, could really only get bench players. So it, it honestly, to me, is smart for the team's flexibility and ability to maybe shed some of these bigger contracts they have to, to wait it out and, and kind of use this cap room perhaps as, um, as, as, a, as an asset in itself to bring in players during the trade deadline or, or during you know when, when the free agent market dries up and say... You know, the Utah Jazz are, are, lose out on Rudy Gay, they lose out on Otto Porter, and they need a small forward. You know, maybe they, they give the Magic a call and say, what do you want for Terrence Ross? Or, you know, we're willing to take on Evan Fournier because we need, you know, we wanted, you know, someone established. We know he's good friends with Rudy Gobert. I mean, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but, you know, there's going to be a team that's going to get caught standing at the end of the song in musical chairs. And that's when the Magic can kind of swoop in. And so I think maintaining the flexibility to do that that's how the Magic make some of the significant improvements that fans and, and the team want to see to, to set themselves up better for the future. And so I think 
while it is definitely a little bit frustrating to see the Magic so inactive after a season that was, frankly, a failure, it, it, it's, it's, they're, they're playing their cards right for the long term. And, you know, after five years not making playoffs, fans probably don't want to hear that. But that's, that's the card that they that's – the, that's the hand they've been dealt right now. And sometimes, you know, if you play poker enough, you fold a lot of hands yep. before you push in. Absolutely. And, and I think the Magic's mistake last summer was they tried pushing in when they didn't have a good hand to do so. The uh, When I wrote my free agency preview for Orlando Pinstripe Post, I didn't really go a lot into players they should go after because I, I frankly had – no idea. I still don't have any idea yeah. who they're going to go after. It's probably I mean, just going to be more about who's available than who. Yeah, I, I mean, in. I have I have one player that I think the Magic should you know maybe push in a little bit for, um, in CJ Miles, but I, I think he's probably going to be a little more expensive than the Magic want to pay because mm-hmm. again, they they've got to be thinking about the long term too. They they're going to be they're going to be in cap hell next year, and it's going to be a while before they can make a lot of moves in free agency unless they can free up free up space elsewhere, and that's where the Magic are going to have to be patient and, and, and use their assets the right way. Right. And so when I did my preview, in, instead of trying to target players, I mostly just said, don't screw this up. Just don't, <laughs> don't do anything really, really stupid that you're going to regret. Don't sign big, long-term money. Don't try to, uh, you know, uh, try to bring guys in with a, a four-year deal. Don't, don't do Bismack Biombo again. Basically, yes. yeah. Go with one-year deals, two at the most, uh, uh, low money. Just uh, fill out the bench and and ride it out. See what you've got right now, and then go from there. Yeah, and, and, and in fairness, it does seem like Weltman is still figuring out what he has. And you know, I'm maybe I'm, I'm both higher and lower. I think on on these players sometimes. Like I, I, I'm higher on them that I think they have enough talent that if things do bend the right way, if they really commit, you know, maybe there's something there. Um, that we saw at the end of the season, but I'm also kind of of the opinion that what we saw at the end of the season uh, wasn't necessarily as real as as we want to believe that it is. Um, we've gone far longer than I thought we would go. Um, Summer League, for some reason, does generate a lot of discussion, a lot of unnecessary discussion, because by the time September comes around, when none of these things matter, none of these things will matter. Yep. Um, so uh, thank you all for, for joining us here on Locked on Magic for our Summer League discussion. Corey, uh, thank you for joining the show, first off. Uh, let everyone know where they can find you on the interwebs. Uh, well, my main site that I write for is Orlando Pinstripe Post, same place that uh, if you've heard Zach Oliver on the show, I'm, I'm working with him. Uh, if I were to plug something, I think you all should read my last Summer yes. League game recap. I read believe, that. I believe that I captured the soul of Summer League. I think, I think you did. I think you really did. Better than anyone ever has or could. <laughs> So definitely check that out. Yep. Thanks for having me on, Phil. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, uh, where can people find you on Twitter? Oh, uh, at Professor Corey, the uh, C O R Y, no uh, underscores or anything. Yeah, we gotta get we gotta get that follow that following up, Corey. I mean, you've got you've got your you've got your your Twitter account up on your screen. It's got 226 followers, so definitely follow Corey. He is a he is a good follow. He, you know, maybe doesn't tweet as much as as the rest of us do, but but he is a very very good follow. When he does tweet, they are gold, just like his. Just like his recap of the Magic's Summer League loss to the Charlotte Hornets in the fifth place game on Thursday. And our thanks once again to Corey Hudson for coming on the show, talking a little bit about Summer League. Hope that gives you a complete recap of the events at Summer League. And of course, uh, talked a little bit there about the Magic's free agency situation. Uh, again, we're, we're at the end of the moratorium. July 6th has passed and 
uh, t- players have begun signing their contracts, and the Magic have remained relatively quiet. Uh, there was the report that came out on uh, on Thursday, or was it Thursday on Thursday uh, that the Magic were had some interest perhaps in Trey Burke as a one-year contract, um, kind of similar to the Jeff Green situation. And, and I do see the Magic perhaps toward the end of the summer making a move, making a move just like that, where you know they kind of weigh their options and they're like, "There's nothing out there. There's no trades out there. Let's just go overpay for a veteran, kind of fill those minutes." just like they did with Jeff Green. That 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 is something that makes sense for this team. And, and yeah, you're probably not going to get a great player that way, just like Jeff Green, but it's a low-risk deal. You know, I personally, I'd rather see them go after Derek Walton, uh, bring him off the Summer League team, than to try Trey Burke, who everyone kind of knows what he is, even in limited minutes, what, what he is and what he can be. But... Overall, the approach to Summer League has been a very, very slow one. And as and as I talked about with Corey there earlier, um, the, the the issue has been the Magic have taken a really slow and patient approach. And that's that's something that, that uh, President of Basketball Operations Jeff Weltman told the media after Summer League ended on Thursday. Yeah, I think our, our approach hasn't changed a whole lot, John. We, we've really looked to... Um, uh, take a kind of long view cautious approach there there's a lot less money in the free agent market this year than there was last year um, and so the approach that we've taken is to kind of uh, wait and see how some of that shakes out towards the um, next phase of free agency and see um, which players we may be able to get into discussions with at that point but we've been uh, touching base with a lot of guys and just kind of gauging the market Ah, the long-term cautious approach. That's generally what everyone kind of suspected the Magic were going to do. Remember, they only have about $11 million of cap space left, which is probably enough to get you a decent backup, and and certainly the Magic needs some depth. But they also have some future planning to do. As we discussed earlier on the podcast, Magic have some big contract decisions to make with Aaron Gordon and Alfred Payton coming up. Uh, They're not going to have a lot of opportunity to spend their money elsewhere anyway. And so I think the Magic are somewhat being cautious and waiting and kind of using their cap room as an asset. Perhaps they can use that for a future trade or to take on a little bit more money at the trade deadline or, 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 what, or what have you. I mean, there's really no requirement that the Magic spend this money. But it is a fair criticism that this is a 29-win team and coming back with virtually the same group is not going to get the job done. Whatever your goals are, are not going to get the job done unless your goal is to win 29 games again and be back in the lottery, which... Maybe it is a goal. Who knows? Maybe the Magic are sneakily doing that. Uh, but I don't think that's the case. I think that uh, the Magic are trying to play things smart. They're trying to be patient. They're trying to find value. Especially after summer last year, last summer, when the Magic just kind of spent, uh, some would say recklessly, uh, and and the team is just hoping to kind of get itself back on the right footing and find a way back to the flexibility that it needs to make true improvements. Well, I, I think being reckless is never the right answer. And uh, I think that when I say being cautious, I think we're trying to read the market, try to understand where where the market becomes uh, uh, a value proposition and enter it at that stage. As I've noted, it does seem like the Magic are beginning to get closer and closer to that stage. The Gordon Hayward domino has fallen. We're starting to see some of those other small forwards Uh, and wing players go to different teams. For instance, Rudy Gay is now with the San Antonio Spurs. James Johnson has re-signed with the Miami Heat. 
Otto Porter signed an offer sheet with the Washington with the uh, Brooklyn Nets. Tim Hardaway Jr. has signed an offer sheet with the New York Knicks. All these wings are starting to sign and starting to get picked off. We still got Jonathan Simmons to go. CJ Miles still has to has to sign, and so money's starting to dry up. And when that happens, that's when the Magic can use their cap room to say, "We'll take on this player if you take one of our players." Or they'll go after that free agent that they think they can get at their price point, not maybe at the market price point. That's the strategy the Magic have used in free agency, and considering the cap situation the team is in, I still think this is the right strategy. It is frustrating. Don't get me wrong. If As a fan, I'm sure it is frustrating to see the team kind of sit on their hands during free agency after winning 29 games. It seems like that's the time that you want to make a... Not necessarily a splashy move, but make a move. Make a big move, even just to make a move. That's not how this front office is going to operate, and I think that is the correct way to operate. They're going to look for the right value, the right deal that fits what they want to do. If they're going to bring someone in on a long-term deal or on a bad salary, it's going to be someone that fits what the Magic want to do. It's going to be someone they want to take a chance on. It's exactly like the draft. The Magic were not going to spend a draft pick just to spend a draft pick. They're going to spend a draft pick on a player they believe in at the price point they believe in. They didn't feel like anyone was a first-round pick at 25. They're going to trade out of it. And and you may disagree with what they got for it, but they got something for it instead of maybe using the asset in another way that, that they weren't comfortable with. That's kind of the MO for how Jeff Weltman seems to be operating. It may just be the can that he's dealt. And he's been dealt a hand that says you don't have a lot of flexibility, you don't have a lot of spending power, you don't have a real definitive way to make dramatic improvements to the roster, and so waiting for that trade market to develop is the right move to make. Of course, things can change. Waltman said that they're probably looking at giving out one or two-year deals if they go that route. Don't think the Magic will be completely inactive. They will sign and make a move somewhere. They've got to pretty much for their roster's sake. Um, But... Uh, if they see a guy that they really like, if they see see someone that, that they really believe in, they're not going to be afraid to invest in him either. And so that's where the Magic are at with free agency as the moratorium ends, as Summer League ends, and as we move on to the next phase, which I guess is Vegas Summer League, where I'm told Jeff, Jeff Weltman and John Hammond will be in attendance to, uh, again, just it's sort of NBA convention. They're, they're going to be there, uh, and they're going to... Uh, Uh, be talking to people throughout the week. That's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Magic. I want to thank Corey Hudson again for joining us on the first part of the show to talk all about Summer League and a little bit about free agency. Uh, Of course, you can find him on Twitter at Professor Corey and be sure to check his stuff out at Orlando Pinstriped Post. Quick podcast announcement. One of the reasons why I wanted to kind of get all this out on the table now uh, there are not going to be any shows next week. No scheduled shows next week. I am taking a vacation uh, of sorts. Uh, I'm actually going to be in Vegas as well for Summer League. Uh, and so I will not be able to record podcasts daily uh, next week uh, uh, while I'm while I'm away. If anything breaks, if there are any signings, I will come on and do a quick podcast uh, just giving my instant analysis on the on the signings uh, and on uh, what's going on with the team. But there will be no formal show. I'm hoping maybe to do a big recap show Friday. Probably not at the normal time, like Friday, you know, mid-morning, afternoon, probably when I publish it, um, whenever I get over my jet lag. 
Uh, but my plan is to uh, is to record uh, that kind of a show next week. So it's going to be a week without Locked On Magic. I apologize for the late notice on that. I know some of you like listening to me at work, but figure this is a good time to take a little bit of a break, kind of take a step back. I've been going you know daily pretty much uh, all all year long. So that's the site. That's the podcast announcement. No episodes next week. Apologize for that, uh, but be sure to check your your iTunes feeds, your Audio Boom feeds, your Stitcher feeds, your TuneIn feeds. If something breaks, and I will be sure to to have an opinion or take on it uh, as news breaks. Of course, in that absence, you can still follow me on Twitter at Locked On Magic, as well as like like us on Facebook at Locked On Magic. For the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out OrlandoMagicDaily.com and follow us there at OMagicDaily. And of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Philip RR underscore OMD. That's Philip P H I L I P R R underscore O M D. Again, no locked on magic next week. We'll be back again next Friday, uh, hopefully for an episode catching up on things. Uh, we'll find something to talk about then, I'm sure. But from Summer League for Corey Hudson earlier in the show, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Rossman Reich. I will see you all again on the other side of my vacation here on Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.